<laughs> Welcome to episode 31 of Sidekickback Radio. Did you know the name of it before you joined in? I did, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, I'm sitting here with Justin Kelly in your lovely home. And thank you for having me. Thank, thank you for coming. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, all right, so you are the director of I Am Michael, mm-hmm. um, which is how I met you because I interviewed your editor, Aaron Butler, the wonderful Aaron Butler. Thank you, Aaron, again for all that you've done. Love you, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, so I guess I'd like to begin at the beginning and kind of just kind of track where you've kind of come from and how you got to today, you know? Um, so where are you from originally? From the Santa Clarita Valley. Ah, well, right kind of local. Do you, does that count as a local? Uh, no, it's, it's L.A. County, yeah, but not L.A. City, so um, local-ish. <laughs> local-ish, gotcha. But I, I guess, guess specifically in the part known as Canyon Country, which is like the other side of the tracks, and I'm very proud of that. Yeah. it's <laughs> cool. Um, was that your inspiration for, I believe, one of your first shorts was... Um, uh, front, yes. Front, yeah. Yeah. It was all about, all about kind of growing up in these sort of deserty suburbs where mm-hmm. kids kind of like, or at least a lot of my friends would kind of roam free during summer break because our parents were like, you know, just do your own thing. It's cool. And we just kind of wander. Yeah. Get in trouble. Get, yeah. But we didn't get in that much trouble, oddly enough. <laughs> yeah. Is that because there was like a lack of authority or? Possibly. <laughs> We're like dumb trouble, like breaking stuff, but not like drug trouble. I got you. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, and so, at what point did you did you, I mean you did you go to high school in yes Canyon Country and what was that like being in high school there? It was fine. Yeah, I mean it was you know you might think it'd be kind of more conservative um, place, but there were a lot of great people there. It was like probably four of my closest friends I went to, to this day I went to high school with, mm-hmm. which I found, I think is kind of rare. But I had a great time there, and then we would come into the city pretty often, and you know, do things we thought like the cool kids were supposed to do, like shop on Melrose. <laughs> <laughs> this is what you're supposed like, to be doing, right? Yeah. But you didn't enjoy it at all, or did you? Oh, no, I did. It's just like, <laughs> funny looking back that we thought that was so cool. Yeah, to, like, we just like walk down Melrose, but like no one could buy anything. <laughs> uh, touching. I, I, I had a, I had a girlfriend once who called it touching. Oh yeah, you go touching. Yeah. <laughs> um, Okay, so, and in high school, I mean, were you a part of the performing arts program at all? Did you have a performing arts program over there? Nothing aside from a drama class, which I actually wasn't involved in, Um, but I would do this after-school filmmaking program that happened once a year. It was called the Clarita Awards, and it was like a (laughs) Santa Clarita sort of like Academy Awards set up for 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 teen filmmakers. Sounds weird, but it was actually pretty cool because it meant that once a year you would take all these classes and then make a short film, a short video, and then they actually would hold uh, an award ceremony with like a kind of local newscaster host. And, you know, it felt like a small but legit little presentation and they would actually give out like the full slate of awards on these short films. Nice. Um, It was pretty cool. And it was because my dad knew that I wanted to be a filmmaker and his friend someone through work kind of started this program so i actually did that every single year so i have four really weird and fun to watch now short films from when i was 14 to 18. wow <laughs> this was like mid 90s so uh-huh it was almost like like high aid video <laughs> yeah <laughs> nice uh was front a part of that 
or no front was college thesis film so that was um kind of like the full deal with like we shot super 16 on on like panavision camera and gotcha. um kind of did the full setup in high school you're making these films i mean did you fall in love with it right away oh yeah 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 i mean the first one would have been i was 14 but even before then i was just always playing with um my when my stepdad got a high video camera mm-hmm. just made just shot tons of crazy shit <laughs> like, <laughs> like <what? laughs> i have so much of it just it, just weird shorts or like fake commercials um but yeah just like storytelling in particular like some kind of visual form i just i was always interested i, I don't exactly know why mm. um just always knew it's what i wanted to do nice cool um and so then you went to san francisco state university I believe, yes for college after high school i took a break and- in between though i went to santa monica city college for a little while and um i just got a bit impatient with the with any sort of college program when i wanted to start getting on sets and making work yeah um and i didn't know a single person in the industry so um i ended up through one of those classes meeting a guest teacher who is this very like well-known ad um it's been so long but i want to say jerry zeismer but he ad'd like apocalypse now and every cameron crow movie (laughs) and he actually had this program that he started himself to get um mostly like just underprivileged youth to get them jobs as set PAs mm-hmm. you know and it may not have been have been like quite as underprivileged as the kids he was looking for mm-hmm. but I think when he saw me I was like you know I don't know like, like the outcasts in the class like I think I had like green hair and I was like <laughs> <laughs> you had green hair <laughs> like, like the green-haired gay kid and I think he was like oh I gotta I gotta help this kid out so um <laughs> So I ended up being like a set PA on this, like, you know, that legendary film, Almost Famous, mm-hmm. kind of out of the blue, which just, you know, huge budget period piece. And even as a PA, it's yeah. like really exciting. So um, I started, I, that kind of like launched a little PA career for, I think like two or three years. Wow. And then, but I quickly realized that I wasn't going to get where I wanted to go by doing that. I saw, you know, everyone around, all the ADs and almost everyone around me in a non- creative position who all wanted to write and direct and do other things creative but you know kind of like climbed the ladder started making over a hundred thousand a year and just couldn't stop started families needed the money yeah so I kind of like ran while I could <laughs> <laughs> nice <laughs> um uh, before- I, I then went to film school I just felt like I yeah it just seemed like the next logical step since you know I, I wish that at the time I would have had some amazing story ideas or script ideas or you know the money or means to make a good short i just didn't yeah so being around kind of people you could hand stuff to didn't really mean anything i, I just knew i had to like go somewhere and make something so interesting so so you were a pa <laughs> and then you decided i'm going uh, i don't yeah. want to say backwards but like it seems like most people that i meet like once they start as a pa they just like they're just like full steam ahead like keep climbing that ladder like you said but you, yeah, you kind of had the opposite thought. You're like, oh, this is what I want to do, so I need to go over here and kind of study and develop your point of view. Or yes, is, was that the kind of idea? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah, you know, some of the jobs you end up on studio lots, and so yeah, you can very easily meet all the right people. Mm-hmm. But I mean, first of all, no one's gonna hand you a directing job ever. Or I mean, <laughs> maybe it has happened a few times. But uh, so yeah, maybe the next five years I could have made it work. It just kind of, it's, you know, looking back, I don't really know why. I just for some reason, like, knew I had to 
escape and <laughs> go to San Francisco and go to film school. <laughs> gotcha. Um, before we get too far ahead, my favorite question to ask, um, got to go back to high school for a second for this one, is uh, if you go back in time and you look in, at your Walkman CD player and you open it up, what CD is inside? What year of high school? <laughs> uh, whichever one pops in first. I mean, let's start with freshman year, I guess. <laughs> uh, freshman year definitely was Nirvana. Really? Mm-hmm. Nice. It was 94, so that's the year he died, I believe. 94. Yeah. Uh, Nirvana. Um, well, I'll give you one per year because it, it changed drastically. I think it was Nirvana yeah. and then, like, Marilyn Manson. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I think it shifted into, like, Bjork. Whoa. <laughs> and then senior year. This is, like, actually year by year, I think. Senior year. I don't know what that would have been. I don't know. Maybe, maybe <laughs> some, some, some more, more Bjork. Or maybe some delight. <laughs> but anyway, back to um, you go to San Francisco, you go to film school, and you kind of learn the technical aspects, I guess, of mm -hmm. directing, would you say? And then you finish and graduate and yes. come back. Yeah? I or... thought so, but I, <clears throat> I ended up, first of all, moving, making a lot of great friends there, including having moved there with two of my best friends from high school. Mm -hmm. um, and... I ended up getting a job, uh, I just edited my own, my path was writing and directing, but then I ended up, of course, editing my own shorts and projects because you kind of have to, mm -hmm. and um, I think people were kind of into the way I was editing stuff, so I actually ended up getting an editing job full-time at this TV network huh. right out of college called Current TV, um, like Al Gore started yeah. a cable network. Yeah. yeah, it was kind of a big deal that. for a while because it was a very... Um, just like a lot of like young execs and this whole young yeah. crew trying to make um, content in a new way by kind of like you know putting cameras in the hands of people who otherwise might yeah not and that have was them and... that was before all these kind of um, digital media outlets kind it was of before boomed, it was right? before Vice before anything online um, yeah. well you know the best way to it, it, so current TV is now Al Jazeera so it was this, it was a similar style where like it was uh, very kind of. Yeah. Like young journalists, raw, you know, going into like the middle of the the Congo. Like I remember, I mean, I edited probably fifty to a hundred pieces. Um, yeah, they did a lot of like really crazy, dangerous work, and it was like really exciting, and no one else was doing it. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I stayed there for I think like over two years, mm -hmm. and made that film, the short film front, while I was there. Gotcha. Because that's how I could like finally afford to make it because uh -huh. I got a job. Yeah. <laughs> And you were strictly editing these pieces for, I guess, journalism, would you say? Or yeah, it was called the Vanguard Department, but it was, uh, I learned a lot about filmmaking because it was, we would get maybe, a, or I would get a drive with, say, 20 hours of footage from one journalist going to one place, like the Congo, to find, like, you know, five stories, like uh -huh. gold mine, uh, 10 year old kids who mine for gold and how they're abused, and then, like, people trying to cross the border into wherever. Um, and you have to kind of like craft these sto like f multiple stories from a chunk of footage, and so storytelling wise, it was a huge like development. Yeah, for me. yeah. And wow, that's I mean, you probably feel compelled to watch all twenty hours of that footage, probably, right? Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, you kind of have to. Yeah. yeah. Jeez, <laughs> and that's a challenge to cull that down into how how much time would you say? Did you Each, have to? So you know, their whole format was short form, so it'd be like. Uh, three to eight minutes pretty much wow you know but i might do i might have like a, a solid 10 minute cut that 
took weeks to get to and it's like this beautiful piece and the music is in there and it works great and everyone loves it and then they might be like the someone higher up might be like this is cool but let's do like let's make it five <laughs> and i'd be like oh my it took it's it can never ever be five but we would find a way to make it to yeah. literally cut it in half so um yeah those kind of like that really helps or kind of informed me for script editing and for film editing because it's yeah. It's all about editing on <laughs> all around. <laughs> yeah. And also like the larger idea of editing, not necessarily making the cuts, but but in your mind cutting something down. Like yeah. kind of letting go of ideas. And... Yeah, losing things that you love if they don't contribute and Yeah. 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 Wow. So so then you start making short films that are, mm -hmm. you know, personal kinda I wanna tell these stories kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um and you continue to edit, and you edit a couple features, I believe. Yes. Um, you worked on Milk yes. uh, as an additional editor? No, I was, I was a mere assistant. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> a mere assistant. I mean, what, what is the difference between uh, assistant editor, uh, associate editor, additional editor? Like, that question came up actually recently with someone. It's pretty much, there's just the main editor or editors, and then the team of assistants would be like first, second, and on, you know, bigger movies with effects, maybe multiple firsts and seconds mm -hmm. um and they are strictly technical i mean you know might do might contribute to some cuts or some rough cuts but mostly technical like organizing footage syncing logging um so on ours there was a main editor a first and then me like they're kind of usually would be a second but mm -hmm. budget wise i was technically like more like a pa but did like the duties of a second so it was like you know helping to log, making DVDs. Uh, I kind of picked like a lot of like, helped pick a lot of the archival footage that the film used. Uh. Um, made some of the, some of the kind of like temp uh, effects, just yeah, kind of a bunch of technical stuff with a splash of creative input. <laughs> yeah. Well, for a movie like that, that's actually a really big responsibility is picking the archival footage, no? Like it's... Yeah. That's, and you know, like like narrowing it down for the director and editor to pick, but right. narrow, you know, I'd maybe picking like the best ten minutes from yeah, from like ten hours of footage easily. Wow. Yeah, comb through like every archival footage that exists from like San Francisco in the seventies for sure. <laughs> There's a <laughs> I think lot. I've seen all of it. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, okay, and that was around two thousand four, I believe, right? Oh yeah. no, that was eight. 2008. 2004 was front, maybe. I'm confusing the dates. Uh, yeah, actually, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I made three shorts. Front, um, Debris, which is also 16 millimeter, and then um, in the first kind of move into HD called Girl, with an exclamation mark. <laughs> so it's Girl! <laughs> it's Girl! <laughs> um, yeah, that was kind of while working at Current TV, but then I left to do, um, to edit a super low-budget kind of horror film called Cryptic, Mm -hmm. And then um, re-edited, helped re-edit this film called Highland Park with like Danny Glover, Parker Posey, mm -hmm. and then edited an indie feature called The Weight mm -hmm. with uh, Chloe Sevigny, Jenna Malone, um, Milk, and all the while like writing scripts and just like trying to get to this place where I can make my own movie because it's really fucking hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's actually a perfect segue because like, so you wrote I Am Michael um, uh, before you knew you were directing it or? No, after. After you knew you were directing it. Yeah, it was a uh, so. very funny thing to happen. I feel like I don't even know if <clears throat> this ever comes up in interviews. Yay, um, so I get an exclusive. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of forgetting. Uh, yes, yeah, so, no, so Milk was 2008, yeah. and a lot of the other editing work 
with for features I'd done was between 08 and like 2012 or mm -hmm. 13 it would have been um, with like a kind of stint in Oregon and New York and all the while writing scripts and trying just to get you know set out scripts with short films to get things together and um, I'd been developing something else based on a memoir uh, that's a whole other story that had like a lot of traction people love the script and I definitely thought it would be my first movie I'm making mm -hmm. it next now luckily okay. but uh, kind of had like a lot of attention, but couldn't be done for that cheap and was kind of hard to get off the ground as a first time director. Yeah. So it was kind of like after year three and four of being in quote in development, which is a common thing. Uh, yeah, it's kind of like still trying to figure out what to do for work and then how to keep that project going. Cause you know, when you're in development, like no one pays you. Yeah. <laughs> and then out of the blue, so this would have been five years after Milk, um, Gus, who I'd kept in contact with just because it was such a small crew, mm -hmm. you know, Gus, the editor and assistant and me, that we all kind of got along, became friends. And he read that New York Times article about Michael Glatz and thought it would make a cool film, sent it to James Franco, who optioned it like that day. Pretty much. Uh, the, <laughs> the article. Yeah. You're saying. Okay. Yeah. Optioned it that day and then... Um, they were trying to figure out what to do, like maybe James would direct it, maybe Gus would direct it, but ultimately wanted to be involved and have someone else take over. And I think it was just a fortunate timing thing where Gus had read the last draft of the film that I thought I was making first because he, it's a story he knows and he kind of wanted his approval and, and advice. Yeah. Um, and he loved it. And so I think it's just that weird moment where he thought, oh, there's this kid, Justin, whose short film I saw that's kind of similar in theme to this article in terms of like identity and perception and belief. And he just wrote the script that is really good. Yeah. So you should like meet with him. And it, it was literally the, the next day getting a call from someone on uh, Team Franco saying like, can you come to the Chateau Marmont tomorrow at 11 a.m.? He was like, uh, wait, wait what? <laughs> wow. So it was, no, I'm really glad you just told that because it, it literally was just like you put in so much work in this other script and it it wasn't for nothing in necessarily like yeah it set you up to because everybody talks about or there's a great quote you know um luck is where preparation and opportunity meet and that's really what it is is like you just put in all this work and the opportunity presented itself and then you were prepared to meet with franco and kind of it felt exactly like that because yeah there are a lot of times when with a lot of my close friends who know that, you know, at the point to where it started to come together, I realized I'd been working for like 15 years. I mean, the first set PA job out of high school was 1998. So it's like, I mean, but everything along the way was something that I needed to do and needed to learn. So it was all, it's all worth it. Yeah. But, you know, when you're like young or in early, mid 20s and things are kind of going well, you expect it to happen faster. But no matter how many, great short films you make or how many people you know you need that one specific that lucky moment yeah totally and this was definitely it so you get this great opportunity you meet with franco I, obviously the meeting goes well yes um, <laughs> and so he makes the decision that you're going to direct it or, yes because he's got the option for the story yes and then you write it as well yeah got it yeah so he, he, well he watched my work and then we met and talked and <clears throat> just hit it off and i think he um, you know, aside from like vibing together creatively and 
explaining to him like what kind of movie I think it should be and what I would like to do. I think he like knew kind of from Gus how hard I'd been working <laughs> up until that point. <laughs> so I think it was a combination of kind of everything and uh, you know, but even as exciting as that is, it's still, it's like, okay, great. Now you have to write the script. So there's no guarantee of a movie ever happening. Yeah. Like now you have to write the script and it has to be good. And then we have to like that. And then we have to shop it. So, you know, it was still um, two and a half years from that point to where we started shooting, which is considered crazy fast. Yeah. But, you know, for me, I was so anxious and excited it felt like an eternity because <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm sure but um <laughs> you were the lucky one <laughs> you were lucky you got two and a half years most people get like 10 you know <laughs> it's true yeah i got to got totally totally lucky you know like while i'm doing that i'm like working on other jobs and then writing and rewriting and researching and uh i traveled to meet all the real people and it's a really complicated story yeah um but ultimately it all worked out <laughs> yeah i guess this will now begin the kind of main part of this, which is I have a ton of questions about making I Am Michael. In particular, I my favorite stories are the ones that are real, that are like dramatic reinterpretations of real events. And I say that because they're not... A lot of people seem to get hung up on this idea that like a movie has to be exactly to the letter of what happened in history, which... Mm -hmm doesn't help you in terms of the story you're trying to tell. Like, you need to take certain artistic liberties. Mm -hmm. So you said you started meeting with the real people. And I guess my first question is, um, the story is a controversial one. And so is it because that there was an article already made about it that the story is therefore like, like could Michael have said at any point you can't make the movie even though this article was made? Or... He could have, but people are often pretty surprised to hear that he um, sold his life rights to us. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, on what grounds or like what, what was that conversation like? Like, whoa. I wasn't there for that one. Um, I feel like I've rather inappropriately answered that question on stage at Q&As, like at festivals after like a few <laughs> drinks and being kind of excited to be in the limelight. Uh -huh. The way I usually answer that is he sold his life rights to a bunch of gay people, <laughs> like an anti-gay anti Christian pastor. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> um, he is like a, the real Michael, is, he is a very smart guy and he was a Gus Van Sant fan and Gus as an EP, uh, you know, even though Gus is an out gay director, I think he was able to separate that from his art Mm -hmm. And then he knew that James Franco would be playing him. So kind of a no-brainer for someone living in, like, the middle of nowhere, Wyoming. To... Yeah, it was, he kind of got <laughs> excited about the idea of a movie being made about him, Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, wow. So, he, you know, he, at that point, couldn't back out. But obviously, it would have been awkward if he started not wanting us to make it. So he did, um, after meeting with me, he did, he literally, like, gave, said, you know, I give you my blessing after I told him what I want to do, mm -hmm. which is awesome. What so. was that? What, what were the words that you said? Like, this is what I want to do, I guess. To him. <laughs> I mean, it's all a blur because it was this insane one and a half day trip to Wyoming on like with a layover and then one of those tiny six seater planes that make you feel like you're going to die, <laughs> which was late because it was so hot that the fuel in the tank, there's something that happens like, I have no idea. That I'm sure the, that something bad happened. So <laughs> it was so hot they had to like let the plane cool off so it didn't, I don't know, explode or something. And then we had to get on that plane. <laughs> it was like terrifying. Uh, so it's just one of those insane trips. And then on top of that, to be 
thrown into like he really it, it's really plains wyoming middle of nowhere it's so quiet it's very religious conservative yeah and then like i show up and michael i think expected some like hollywood quote-unquote hollywood director so yeah definitely looked at me like who's this kid <laughs> <laughs> so it was all just like very intense and then he at the time he's chilled out a bit but at the time he was still like like very dogmatic and just had the his bible in his hand and was quoting it and mm-hmm. it was just kind of intense for me i grew up with no religion and i yeah. had no interest in religion and he was it was just an intense conversation you know yeah and like asking me like i believe in god um if not am i going to hell it was like really oh intense so i kind of like forget exactly <laughs> i'm trying to block it out well, i uh, guess it was part of it like your heart pounding like oh my god i might not i might come away from this ridiculously crazy trip without the the rights or without the story or no that didn't even cross my mind it was more so just being i was like shocked at how nervous i was to talk to him because i generally Uh don't i i I don't know don't get that nervous at at that level and i just i think just because of having known all the research i knew so much about him and i've been writing about him and he has no idea what the script looks like Mm -hmm. and then here i am in front of him so it's more so just feeling the like the reality slapping me in the face that this is like a real person and it's their story and even if you don't agree with them or they're unlikable you should really be fair because they're you know human and have their point of view that might be different than yours but yeah. i don't want to judge him in the way i don't want him to judge me just like all this stuff kind of swirling and it was crazy but i yeah. i think i said something along the lines of just uh you know it's like it's a very like hero's journey story there's this our, our hero character michael who wants nothing more than to find his place in this world and find peace and happiness and in the end he does which is true but obviously as you see in the film it's a bit more open-ended than that mm-hmm. <laughs> open yeah. to interpretation <laughs> uh and it something along those lines that eased his mind yeah i guess at this point i realized maybe some of our listeners might not know the story we're talking about um oh forgot about that part <laughs> yeah no it, it happens but like uh but it leads into my next question um so i mean i am michael's about michael glatz who uh goes from gay activist to anti-gay pastor um through you know uh, through various struggles that he has which is depicted in the film wonderfully um and starts his own church mm-hmm. essentially um and then you make the movie and he sees it i mean what's what was the effect on him because <clears throat> it's it, i will say he's not painted in the best light it's not like you come out away from the film being like oh i feel so bad for him you know it's like it's it's it is it does kind of split you in two and you're just like it makes you wrestle with this notion of of his life Mm -hmm. so after he sees it what was his reaction to it yeah he yeah so he saw the film probably it was at sundance so probably about three years after the whole thing started Mm -hmm. and that whole time he was just kind of patiently waiting and wondering what would happen or if it would really happen he had no kind of say or approval in the script um so it was all new to him he knew nothing about it really it was i had no idea what to expect if he was gonna Mm -hmm. completely love it or hate it and freak out and run to the press and say awful things but um he came with his now wife and they both completely loved it and they were crying and kind of like hugging 
you know, me and James and Zach Quinta, who plays James's boyfriend. And, um, it was, a, it was intense. It was a very bizarre experience <laughs> <laughs> because again, it's, um, another thing to add in for those who don't know, it's like, we went for a very balanced approach, um, in this, in a way to where some people, some gay people don't like it, uh, plenty do, but some people feel like it's might send the wrong message. Um, some people I've noticed from screenings will like meet me and then kind of be like, Oh, you made this movie. Like I think they expect someone who maybe has some more religion in their life. Huh. But for me that, you know, I don't agree with anything Michael Ditter says he's at times seems a bit unstable. Um, I don't agree. I don't think that gay people can just choose to become straight, but it's like, I wanted to tell this in the, it's almost like more fair and like, progressive for the gay community i think when you start treating these stories in the same way that you do with straight stories mm -hmm. so if there's like a potentially unlikable and or unstable character the good mo movies are the ones that try and understand them yeah you know like the extreme example i would always think of would be a movie about like a serial killer like monster you know like you don't just show this the charlie's the wrong character as this batshit crazy <laughs> dyke like you you know what i mean like you're like what why did she do this what makes her tick and in that case people were actually murdered and like families of those victims know about this movie getting made so when people get kind of angry about this movie i'm like it's really like not <laughs> I, I just I, let's add some perspective here <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i'm not so naive as to think that people you know, maybe maybe gay activists might think, oh, why would anyone want to make? Why, why would anyone gay want to make this film about a gay person who becomes straight? Yeah. But again, if you watch it and truly think that it's something that's anti-gay, then I, I don't think you're reading between the lines. Yeah, that might have been a rambling <laughs> answer. But... <laughs> no, um, I, I seem to recall in conversation with either you um, the night we met or with Aaron that um, when Michael saw it he kind of had this like, whoa, like realization of like what he's done in his life, you know? Yes. Um, can you elaborate on that at all? Or like, yeah, he really had a shift from being, from still being very anti-gay to completely, I don't, I mean, I don't want to say no longer, right. but definitely softened his stance a lot. Uh -huh. And I think he just saw, you know I mean? I can't imagine the, the experience of watching a film based on your life. I mean, you know, I wrote, I, it's like I wrote dialogue based on what needed to happen information wise or emotionally in a scene. And I mean, I would imagine that you'd be like, I wouldn't have said things like that. I wouldn't have done yeah. it's just like a million things that yeah. could not show you how you want to be perceived, you know, <clears throat> but he, and this made me feel really good about it, but he really, so many moments that were like dark where I thought he'd be kind of upset that I showed, he said like that happened and that was me. And like, yes, like that blank stare that I had in the cafe scene, like that, that totally happened. And he just realized he was being way too dogmatic and just too much of an extremist and um, felt like he was sending out this message of hate when he's supposed to be promoting love. Wow. So I don't know if he's like going to start performing gay marriages. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but he's definitely not, you know, he was spouting a lot of very hateful anti-gay rhetoric. So yeah, he's at least, I can at least say it helped him reel it in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you did, you did some good. <laughs> 
Um, you just mentioned gay marriage, and I mean, obviously, you made the film before the landmark decision from the Supreme Court. Um, I guess you, as as an artist, as a storyteller, does that change things for you now that kind of the law of the land is different and moving forward? I mean, does it kind of change something in you in terms of your driver motivations to where you tell stories? You know, honestly, no. <laughs> <laughs> is that what you're to say? But no, I mean, I guess because like, even though the law of the land has changed, um, a lot of people's viewpoints haven't. Um, oh, for sure. You know, I mean, there's still a fight yeah. to be fought. Yes. Obviously, in a lot of places. But I was just wondering if, um, you know, that's such a huge moment in history. And I'm sure it has some effect, but I guess not at all for you, which that's I'm, totally... Maybe something subconscious effect, but... But no, you know, if, if I, um, if my work were meant to like, like again, like in terms of, of sort of telling stories in, in a way that makes it so that gay characters aren't like such a big deal or such an issue. Um, for me, it means not really trying to tell stories or make movies with like this message, like, you know, and, and that might be something that people don't like about I, Michael, like, whereas, you know, they want to see this message that what he did was wrong or that gay people should be accepted. But I think that by telling stories uh, in this way, kind of like not really, <clears throat> not really trying to make it like a propaganda piece by like telling one person's specific story or a group of people's stories, it kind of like opens up more conversation and more debate and more, you know, there's more to talk about than um, something like another gay movie part 10 or whatever. You know what I mean? like, um, yeah. See, so I don't just, me personally, I, I just, I don't have a lot of interest in making films that send like positive gay messages. Mm -hmm. That sounded really fucked up. You know what I mean? Like, no, no. Am I allowed to say the F word on your show? Yeah. <laughs> You'll be all right. Um, no, I mean, I just, I'm just like, it's the kind of, as like much, that's not, it's not your agenda. Like you're after something different, which I think. Totally yeah. That's, I want to, want to like find stories that I love and that speak to, um, just kind of like speak to larger things and larger yeah. issues. And if by chance it, it, it involved like something, whatever, like Stonewall, or if it were a story about some activist who like, like milk, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I would totally do it. But I, I just wasn't I'm not like seeking out right. those kind of stories. Yeah. You seem you seem to be after, and I mean, you mentioned this, so it's obviously, you know, heard it, but you're, you seem to be after identity and like you're, you're drawn to stories in which you explore someone who's discovering identity or wrestling with identity. Yes. Um, yeah. So, so it's not fucked up what you said. Okay, good. Again. <laughs> <laughs> and again, um, it's, it's something where, um, and I'll, I'll always have to be like a kind of like, arguing for the sake of having made the film. Not, not that that many people uh, are worried about it. It's just that the few who are, you know, in the, in this day and age with internet chat rooms, they're very loud and people think like, oh, there's this backlash and there's really not. I mean, I've been to like 10 festivals and these massive crowds of Q and A's and it's like mm -hmm. most people get the film. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, um, but, but no, it's like by telling this kind of story instead of one, that is like the lifetime version about like how all gay people are happy and normal and should get married. It, this creates like a lot more debate yeah. and it definitely has. And it's, it's, and it's like a healthy debate. It's about like 
what it means to identify as gay. Um, it's obviously helpful, but how does that hold people back? You know, uh, what it means when people don't want to be perceived as gay. I have plenty of gay friends who don't want to be perceived as gay. Like, you know, put on a shirt and shirts or pants and like you change because you look quote unquote too gay. Yeah. I mean, it's like this thing that's within the gay community as well. And, and I'm interested in talking about that. Yeah. Are, is there any concern for you as, as an independent filmmaker that your film is not going to get to a lot of the people that need to see it? For instance, I'm thinking about that, the character, I want to say his name is Paul, but it's, it's the boy that in the opening shot that yes. Franco talks to. Am I right? Is that Paul? Wait, you're right. I actually forgot for a minute, but you are right. <laughs> I don't even think, oh, he does say his name. I, like, I think because I was looking right. at IMDb and I was like, okay, I saw it, I think. Um, but anyway, is there a concern that like, because it's an independent movie, uh, it's not going to get the widest theatrical release, you know, in the history of films, but it's important for kids like that Paul character to see, you know, the boy who's questioning sexuality or, or whatnot, or is, or is being chastised by his whatever authority figures for feeling a certain way mm -hmm. you know is that a concern of that you might have i wouldn't you know i don't that's not a concern because <clears throat> um it would be again if it were something um that was meant to like really prove to young gay kids that you know it's okay to be gay mm -hmm. but in this case this is something that you know I, I would like kids like that to see it because they would see the version of of them of, of what happens all the time in like you know more evangelical christian house or all types of religion um where someone's child is kind of like it's heavily implied that if you are gay you're going to be disowned or kicked out and so it would almost be nice for them to see what someone went through when he chose to do that because it's not and again that's why once people see the movie they they understand that it was like not this easy he didn't just become straight like yeah. had a complete breakdown <laughs> like uh, thought he was dying pissed a lot of people off i mean he <laughs> went through this really treacherous journey to kind of end up where he is and i think that if there were someone like paul who's say christian and terrified of coming out and can't and is forcing himself to be straight for god uh i think they they would see it and be like oh this is not something that's actually easy at all so do i really want to go through with that mm -hmm. um but again but it's not like something that i think that i feel the need to kind of push out and get all of those kids to see mm -hmm. um i would if it were a different story you know what i mean yeah i got you if that makes any sense <laughs> no, um in terms of telling the story and the actual making of it um aaron mentioned to me that you guys a lot of Franco's acting decisions, the choices that he would make in the moment, would dictate the uh, kind of emotional arc. Like, like certain choices he would make in a scene would make you go, oh, that scene needs to be here because this happens now. And mm -hmm. so um, I guess could you talk a little bit about that, about the process of arranging the story and versus the script and, and how the actor's decisions changed it? Yeah, well, Aaron made... <clears throat> may have mentioned this but the coolest thing that th that i kind of like like to talk about or that i feel like is helpful to other people is that you know with my editing background i felt so confident in kind of pre-editing the script kind of like knowing what mm. we would end up being cut later so like let's get rid of it now and not even shoot it mm -hmm. and i kind of did uh, a lot of work on this script which was out of order and that's how we shot the movie it was kind of like two 
parallel storylines, uh, Michael and his boyfriend, and then Michael and his girlfriend. And you kind of, you would go back and forth and, you know, each scene, new scene would kind of inform something from the other story. And it was, it was like really worked in the script mm-hmm. and was the kind of movie that I wanted to make, but it just wasn't working in the edit. So we put the entire movie in order, which at first I said over my dead body. <laughs> I literally like that will never happen. Like it was initially a producer suggestion and I was like, I, this is, this is the stupidest idea ever. Like you're crazy. Um, but then it was actually Gus Van Sant who had watched, you know, an earlier cut to give notes. And I mentioned that to him and he was like, no, 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 no. Has to be out of order. And then kind of said, well, you know, just try it. Like, just try it, and it might help you fix the out-of-order version. So we put the whole movie in order, and it was way better. (laughs) 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 Um, And that might be in part because of some of the actors' decisions, but it was more so, like, just you didn't want to... There were these very exciting kind of segments where you're with a character, and you're in his mind, and he's going through something, and you want to, like, follow it, and then it would just get cut off to go to the the other storyline so cutting either forward to the girlfriend story or backwards to the boyfriend story and like the energy just energy just kind of became sucked out of the viewing experience Mm -hmm. so yeah partially actors performances but mostly just to keep the kind of flow and and kind of energy and line or something Mm -hmm. yeah so i mentioned this before um kind of towards the beginning of this part but you're telling a true story. Um, do you feel like you have some sort of responsibility to reality? Or is it more important to tell the story in the way that you think best conveys your message? It's a combo of the two. I mean, fortunately, I'd, I'd worked on a few movies based on true stories, uh, edit-wise and script-wise, <clears throat> and kind of saw or like understood the importance of, of even not something like Milk, like you have to stay true to the characters and the story and be fair and be honest but it has to be a good movie so Mm. you can't just put all this stuff in that doesn't make any sense i mean true stories all the time will like eliminate entire characters or add children or like (laughs) who knows (laughs) um but for me i I feel like the best starting point is to try and do it exactly as is and then you just scale back when need be and in this case um there was really nothing major taken out you know, like a, a, a early script, early drafts of the script, there were suggestions of like, do you really need the third boyfriend character? Because Michael and Bennett end up in a three-way relationship with this kid. And I thought, well, maybe not because that's not what the movie's about. But I knew that that was a big reason that Michael started to kind of question things was because having a third meant losing some attention from his boyfriend and that caused him to kind of stray. So could have totally worked without but i just felt like mm-hmm. why not try it with yeah. um so the only things that were you know would have been I mean, it's weird to say cut out because it, it's a two you know 100 minute movie so compared to someone's life <laughs> yeah. their years cut out you know, <laughs> you know what i mean things that like yeah. maybe were in old outlines that about like michael in college or growing up they were cut out because it's just just like getting like an act structure down and having flow uh having like a, a story that flows in a way that will make it a movie that you know is that you can follow yeah um you know i'm sure there are plenty of people who don't like it but a lot of people have really felt like the movie kind of moves keeps you engaged moves kind of quickly there's like a lot to think about and uh uh you know it's because it, at times can be 
dark story, depressing at times, uh, heavy with the religious talk at times. So there's the concern of like losing people, but most people feel like we kind of like did it the right way, not to be cocky, but we've <laughs> 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 gotten a good response from <laughs> filmmaker friends who I admire. So <laughs> That's good. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, but there's in short, yeah, there's a major concern because it's, it's like, these are people's lives. Yeah. Um, but you have to craft it into a story. Yeah. I hear you. Well, I'm glad you kept the third <laughs> boy because my favorite cut is the pancakes. <laughs> Going from the threesome to the three pancakes on top. <laughs> that was genius. I love it. Awesome. <laughs> I guess just you, you mentioned kind of what you're doing next. Are you allowed to talk about it or is it hush, hush? I mean, a little totally bit, cool. but I've mentioned it to a few people. So it's like, I don't really mind talking about it. Yeah. Um, it's the the next film, and and this is the one that you worked on for years. That kind of like yeah. you thought was gonna get made, and then didn't, yeah. and led to I Michael, and now you're getting to do it. Yes, that's great. Yeah. So yeah. that is it's <laughs> it's based on a memoir called Girl Boy Girl: How I Became J T Leroy. So maybe for people who know the story, they'll know. But if not, yeah. if you just like <laughs> Google J T Leroy, it's this really fascinating story about two women. True story about mm -hmm. two women who pretended to be a teenage boy who wrote all these best-selling books. Mm -hmm. um, it's a really wild story that also deals with people trying to like take on these avatars or change how they're perceived, pretend to be other people. Identity. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's about... It's, yeah, it's, <laughs> I mean, the, with I Am Michael, I, I would always say it's about like the power of belief and the desire to belong, and the next movie is really the exact same thing just by chance or maybe mm -hmm. i have like a thing but <laughs> yeah no you seem to have this like you seem to have a thing for like people who want to identify which i know is kind of a huge theme in movies but like it's really i'd say it's really clear when it's coming through your lens like even watching your director reel and just seeing just those little images those little clips of your films like it's just really clear these people who are like the desire to belong, like you said. Mm -hmm. um, and so... What does that say about me? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What does that say about you, Justin? <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like I belong, so that's what's <laughs> like me. Interesting. Well, no, but... Uh, when they had some therapy sessions, it's all yeah, come but this out. isn't... <laughs> I'd imagine, though, your directing isn't for you. It's for everyone else. And that's yeah. like, you're, like you're, you're wanting to help people. I guess so. People helping people. That's why we're all here, right? Help each other. <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, cool. Well, I guess with that, I mean, thank you so much for chatting. Um, thank you for having me, and thank you for listening. <laughs> yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. And I, I know you don't have a release date yet, but keep an eye open for I Am Michael is all we can say right now, I guess. Yes. It will be coming out. Yes. In some sort of release. At some uh, point. Hopefully the point. end of this year, of 2015, but if not, um, mm -hmm. as soon as possible. Yeah. Cool. And we look forward to your future work. Awesome. Thanks yeah. so much. Thanks, Justin. <laughs> Are you ready for the sign-off? Sign Take Back Radio. That sounded kind of similar to yours, but I'm going to go with it. <laughs> <laughs>